In this episode, we're going to be catching up on some music from Julian Lennon, Flogging Molly, The Pixies, Taylor Swift, Dropkick Murphys, and Demi Lovato. It's a music catch-up episode. Music catch-up? What kind of kind of crazy hot dog are we making here on the show this week? Please keep listening. It gets better. I promise. I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Checkmates, it's your old Uncle Derek coming to you solo this week. Hope that's a fun surprise. Uh, that's uh, how the show normally has gone. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of uh, a lot of guests, a lot of interaction lately. I hope that you enjoyed the interview with Jim Woosley. I had a great time doing that. It, I think the final episode was an hour and 42 minutes. We talked for over two and a half hours. And uh, I edited it down to that to try and just to try and focus mostly on his project that he was promoting. And, you know, it was great talking to Jim, great hanging out with him. He's a great guy. I really want to spend more time with that cat. Uh, and I, I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope some of you will check out The Atonement Bell. It comes out November 9th. Pre-order it at your comic book store now. Uh, and look for his other stuff, too. Jim is a great guy and makes really cool stuff, and you should be on board with that. Uh, speaking of cats, because it just called Jim uh, a good cat, or I said I want to spend more time with that cat, my two cats are running around, Misters Jonko and Maguire. Messers Jonko and Maguire, I suppose, as the British would say. Uh, they uh, uh, are having a lot of fun. Their birthday is coming up. It's it's going to be this week. It's uh, the 26th. October 26th is their birthday. I'm not sure when this will go up, but their birthday is October 26th. Uh, I This weekend, I found uh, some yarn at... Uh, I was at uh, a local crafting store, and I found some yarn that is colored very similar to their coats individually. And I, I, uh, I, I bought it and thought, oh, I'll make something with this. And, uh, I'm gonna try to, like, make, like, a little kind of, like, loomed, you know, crappy blanket for each of them in each of their colors, but just to kind of use it and have some initial fun. I just did a quick little finger-weaving project, because I've known how to finger-weave since elementary school. They taught me how to do that then, and I liked it, and I occasionally do it just for fun. I'll finger-weave something. And maybe I'll put a picture of that on the blog so that you know what that is. The blog is over at uh, emptychecking.blogspot.com, by the way. Uh, so I've, I just finger-weaved two little short ropes of, of uh, weaving in each color for each of the cats and kind of tossed them to them and uh, just thought, eh, let's see what they do with these. And they have been chasing each other around with them and beating each other up and, and fighting over them. And it's really cute. Cats and yarn, after all these years, who knew? You know, it's it's a wonderful match. Uh, don't worry, those of you uh, who are warriors, I'm going to watch them close and make sure that they don't, like, eat the yarn and, and get sick and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I just tossed them some yarn that uh, I uh, that was a thing that I made. And it's it's been fun kind of watching them fight for the thing that daddy made for them. So, uh, uh, that's nice. But yeah, they've got a birthday coming up and, uh, they'll be, they'll be one year old. It'll be, my, 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 my little boys are becoming, um, one. And, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm having fun with that. They are zoomy as all get out running around right now. I thought I was going to use the yarn to make something for their birthday, but I just thought, ah, I'll make something before it. Um, I might have to buy a loom <laughs> to make them something cooler with the yarn that they can, like, lay on that's kind of their colors. Because, like, on my uh, on my kitchen uh, island, or peninsula, actually, since it's connected to a wall, they call it a peninsula, which seems obvious, but isn't. Uh, I, I, uh, on that, I've had a dish towel sitting there forever that both of the boys just love to lay on. And it's just a plain, ordinary dish towel, just a small dish towel, and it's, it's raggedy and beaten up at this point because it's had cats laying on it and clawing at it and stuff. 
But uh, I'm thinking maybe I'll replace that dish towel with two cat-colored, loomed, kind of, you know, semi-sturdy, uh, placemat-y type things. But, like, uh, I I'll need to buy a loom to do that, uh, which looms are cheap. You know, looms are like 30 bucks for that size of loom, and I, I think I could do that. I remember how to loom. I also learned how to loom in elementary school art class. My, uh, my skill level for crafting is elementary school art class level of skill. So uh, I might buy a loom and, and do that for my boys. And who knows, maybe I'll end up loving looming and just making like a whole bunch of like nonsense. Uh, uh, that could happen. You never know. That, uh, that could happen. But for now, we've got some finger-weaved little stretches of, of yarn that the boys are enjoying playing with in their own colors. Uh, I've noticed that they are mostly attacking the color that is the color of their brother. <laughs> Jonko is going after the Maguire-colored one. Maguire is going after the Jonko-colored one. It's cute. Uh, they, they genuinely love each other, by the way. That's not, don't read too much into that. They are very sweet and loving with each other, but they, uh, yeah, they are absolutely tearing each other's <laughs> colors to shred, to shreds in the yarn. Um, I could talk about these boys all day, but I need to do some business up top. McGuire is in the hallway about to pounce. Let's see if we can hear that. He's taking too long. You're not going to hear it. Even even if even when and if it happens, you're not going to hear it. Sometimes they will sit there ready to pounce at each other, and all they'll do is they'll run up to the to their brother and just touch his nose with their nose. It's sweet, and that is exactly what happened just now. All right, sorry. Uh, I could talk about these boys all day. I got to do some business. I got to tell you the websites that you're supposed to go to before we hit the ten minute mark, or it doesn't count. I guess. Uh, if you like the show, there is a companion blog that I've already mentioned over at uh, emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. Um, uh, there's other things, too. If you like me, you can go over to derekbrink.com and read about me and mostly my music career there. Speaking of the music, if you like the music that you hear throughout the show, you can check it out at derekbrink.bandcamp.com and download it all for absolutely free. All you do is enter zero as your purchase price, and you can just take it. I don't collect your email address. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. Uh, I think that's everything. Oh, you can also email me and the show and tell me about what you agree with and disagree with at db at derekbrink.com. If you're not mean to me in the email, I reply to it. Uh, and sometimes stuff gets read on the show if I uh, am out of ideas, frankly. I'll do some, uh, I'll do some listener mail. Uh, it's been a little while. But uh, uh, yeah, I think that's everything. The show obviously also, of course, is available on whatever podcasting app you're listening to it on now. I think it's on all of the major players, at least, unless anybody changed the rules and nobody told me. If you can't find it on your app of choice, let me know and I'll look into it. Uh, so that's all the business that I'm supposed to do up front. Now that that's out of the way, uh, this has been kind of a weird week for me. I said earlier that I was, I was sick this week. Not COVID, just normal sick. Uh, I did go ahead and take some time off work, even though I can work from home. It just kind of felt like, you know what, I'm going to take the time. And, uh, there was one day this past week that uh, all I did all day was I just slept. Which, I'm not going to lie to you, I kind of loved. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm still behind at work as a result of being sick last week. But uh, I, I kind of loved just just sleeping and just sleeping and sleeping and sleeping. And I'd wake up and there'd be a cat or two laying on top of me. And that was kind of like, oh, hey buddy, you making sure dad's okay? And, and I just sort of loved that, you know? That made me sort of long for a real vacation that I don't know how to schedule at this point in my life, but uh, I did enjoy the uh, the the time of just kind of quiet sleep with my cats. You know that was kind of nice. But uh, uh, got out of that and got over that and and did some work and whatnot and went and saw my niece Tessa in her school play. They did uh, the Odd Couple, the female version by Neil Simon at her school. She played one of the characters in that. 
and uh, she did a great job, and uh, most of the folks involved did a great job. Uh, you know, it was a high school play, so, you know, you, you never, you go into a high school play never knowing exactly what to expect. Uh, when I was in high school, I went to a, a school that had just a great theater and a great theater department and demanded excellence, and we were really, really spoiled. But, you know, you walk into most high school theater productions and you're kind of going, ah, this could go anyway, really. Uh, there's the cats wrestling around. Uh, but... Uh, it was good. It was very good. And I was surprised by some of the technology they had. They were all wearing, uh, microphones, so nobody had to worry too much about projecting, which I think is a little bit of a shame. <laughs> you know, you kind of, I kind of like the thing of them not wearing microphones. I kind of want that in a the theater, but they, they were microphones that were fairly, fairly well, uh, hidden, fairly discreet. Those little ones that come down on the side of your face, you know. Uh, but it was, a, it was a good production, and Tessa did great, and, you know, there were a couple of the other kids that really impressed me. There was, uh, one of the, uh, two male roles in the, in the, uh, show. I just kind of went, oh, that kid knows what he's doing. You know, that kid really knows what he's doing. He's a little bit of comic relief, but I can tell that there's, like, there's a good actor in there, you know? And, uh, thought that of a couple of the folks involved with the, with the show. There's a really good actor, good actor in Tessa, by the way. She could absolutely do that. Uh, she's more of a dancer, I think. I think that's where her passion is. I think that's where her heart is. But she could absolutely be an actor, too. Uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was like the sort of the first thing I did <laughs> after being sick is I went out and saw Tessa's play. Uh, I think the place where I got sick was at a concert that I went to on, uh, what was that, the, 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 the nine, 19th, was it? 14th? 14th. It was the 14th. I, uh, I went to a concert. I saw The Who play. And I think I'm going to go into more detail about that on a different show, because my brother went with me, and we are bound to do a uh, Fab 15 Who songs episode. In fact, that's probably the next thing that we're going to do, if I have my way. And uh, uh, so we'll talk about that probably in the course of that. But went to see The Who here in St. Louis, and I got sick immediately thereafter. <laughs> I think just because my body isn't used to being sick anymore, because I went for almost three years having only gotten sick once, and it was COVID, and this time I got sick and it wasn't COVID. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think my, my uh, defenses were just down, you know? But um, I'm glad it wasn't COVID. But yeah, saw The Who. Uh, my dad uh, was supposed to go to that show and ended up not able to go because of a... a, a an accident that he had, uh, fell down, hurt himself, happens, uh, happens to all of us, happens to me from time to time. If I take a wrong, sometimes if I just take a wrong step and move funny, my sciatica is flared up for days and I'm walking with a cane and I don't want to do anything. It just happens. So that happened to dad and he wasn't able to make it. My friend Bruce went with us in his stead. Uh, Bruce had never seen The Who before, he's been a fan for years and years, Bruce is, you know, from the 70s, you know, uh, but he had never seen The Who, uh, because it just didn't work out on their initial run, and then when they reunited, he had small kids, you know, and just, it, it never worked out, but, uh, so he got to see The Who, finally, and, uh, I know he had a great time, and he kept, he, he's, he's, he's kept telling me how much of a great time he had, and I'm, I'm very glad that he got to experience that. And uh, I had a great time, and I think Dave had a great time, and The Who played well, and they were with the uh, some members of the St. Louis Symphony and others. It wasn't just the symphony people, but uh, one of the people that was playing with them was actually my high school orchestra teacher, uh, Miss Sweeten, was uh, playing with the band, and uh, that was exciting for me. Uh, so it, it was a good show, and it was a lot of fun, and I always love when I get to see The Who and I love when I get to see The Who with members of my family. I'm sad the dad couldn't be there. Hopefully The Who will be back through again very soon, and, you know, he'll get to go. And, uh, man, since 1989, my favorite band, you know? My favorite band since 1989, and I got to see him again, and that's always great. And my one bit of disappointment was that they didn't, uh, they've been doing, uh, uh, city-specific posters on their website, for apparently only the cities that they want to, because uh, St. Louis didn't get one, and several other towns didn't get one. I don't know if they're just doing them for the towns that sold out. The St. Louis show was not sold out, not hardly, uh, but 
Uh, you know, I don't know if they're just doing it for the shows that sell out or if they're just doing it for the shows that were significant in uh, Who history or what, but like Chicago got one a few days before and St. Louis didn't. And, you know, the St. Louis-Chicago thing, I'm a little bit pissed off about that, you know, <laughs> just on that level. I would have loved a St. Louis Who poster. So the who dot, uh, com or whatever, come on, man, throw me a bone. Like, make one for me. I'll buy it. I'll pay whatever you ask if it's, you know, reasonable. I'll, I'll pay what you ask. Uh, I, 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 I will pay up to $500, which you will probably not ask for it, but you know. Um, just for a one-off, if it's mass-produced in any way, I'm going to pay much less than $100 for that. But, you know, I, I, I wish I had a Who St. Louis poster, but those don't exist. Those sadly don't exist. But otherwise, it was a, it was a great night and a lot of fun. And I, uh, got sick <laughs> as a result of it. Which is kind of funny, because when we bought the tickets, I was still very much in COVID mode. I'm still very much in COVID mode, and, and I'm being very careful. But when the idea came up that, hey, do we want to go see The Who? My response was, well, at this point in my life, if I'm not willing to get sick and die for The Who, then everything I've ever done has been a lie. So yeah, let's get tickets. And I got sick. Fortunately, did not die. So uh, that's that's good. <laughs> But had a lot of fun seeing The Who, and I had a lot of fun seeing Tessa's play, and my cats are having a lot of fun playing with the yarn that their daddy gave them. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about, folks. We've got several pieces of music to deal with that we haven't dealt with yet. I've got a little bit of a backlog. Actually, not that bad of a backlog. There's some stuff that is out and that I bought that I'm not talking about in this episode, because I, I want to... Keep it to less than four hours, you know. So, I uh, I'm doing uh, I'm doing a handful of recent music releases, and we'll get into that here after a little bit of a break. In the meantime, I think I have some cats to wrangle because some of these uh, some of these chases are getting a little bit serious. So uh, enjoy whatever music goes in here. I have bought a ton of music here this year, and there's quite a bit that I haven't talked about. So uh, we're going to catch up on some of that, because uh, uh, I want to. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff that I'm excited to talk about. There's there's some There's been some really good releases here in this sort of last quarter of the year. Last two quarters, I guess? What, what would be the last quarter? October, November, December? I guess that's the last quarter. So yeah, in September and October in particular, I've been really enjoying some of the stuff that's been coming out, and I want to share it with you. So we're going to dive into some of the music that I've been picking up lately that I've been enjoying, and we'll uh, 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 do that. Sorry, I guess I'm a little out of practice doing this alone. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is the new album from Julian Lennon called Jude. Julian Lennon, of course, the son of John Lennon, we all know this. Uh, the titular Hey Jude from Jude. Jude used to be Jules, and in the writing of the song, it went from Hey Jules to Hey Jude, and blah, 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 blah. We all know that story. Julian Lennon has released an album called Jude, and the cover of that album is himself as a young child with the word Jude written next to his picture. So it's uh, it's very clearly Julian kind of embracing that in a way that he sometimes runs from. He seems to have a back-and-forth relationship with his legacy in the sort of life of the Beatles fans, you know, and the mind of the Beatles fans. Um, he's very much his own artist, but in this one, at least titularly, he's leaning in a little bit to what what maybe some of us want of him, you know? And uh, it's a really good album. It feels like what Julian Lennon should be doing on an album named Jude, 
but it also feels modern and current, and there's some good uh, R&B-ish type feels to it in places, but it's it's still got that nice acoustic-y, you know, Lennon vibe about it as well. And it's, I, I, I was, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you folks, I'm under-familiar with Julian's work, uh, other than the crossovers that he's done with Cheap Trick over the years, because I'm a huge Cheap Trick fan. But I'm, I'm a little bit under-familiar with his work, but uh, I was very impressed listening to this, how much I liked it. I, I, I was very surprised. I was very impressed. I was very kind of, I just thought, oh, I, I've been missing out on Julian Lennon, you know? And I really just picked it up on a whim. I just saw it in a record store. That's why you should still be going to record stores, folks. I just saw it in a record store and thought, yeah, I'll give the new Julian Lennon a try. So I picked up the new Julian Lennon called Jude. And I listened to it, and I thought, wow, I really want to explore his back catalog now. Which, by the way, is not that extensive. It's only a handful of albums, uh, but I, which I haven't dived into yet because I've been diving into other stuff, and I had a Who show to go to and you know all this other things. But uh, I was just very, very impressed with the album. Very catchy, very, again, sounds like what you expect of someone with the last name Lennon, but also sounds current, you know? And that... That 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 was that was just a really cool balance, and I I enjoyed it a lot, and I just I just I just really got into it, and I really liked it, and I think maybe you will too if if any part of what I just said appeals to you, you need to pick it up. Other stuff that I've been listening to, I picked up the new one by Flogging Molly. It's called Anthem. I I am a longtime Flogging Molly fan. I'm always going to listen if they do something new, and they put out a new one. I picked it up and I listened to it. It uh, sounds like Flogging Molly. That's kind of it. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to elaborate on that. Uh, I'll, I, I, I'll be completely honest with you. This one doesn't have, like, the song that you have to hear on it. You know, like, this isn't the one that's going to win over somebody who's never loved Flogging Molly before. This is one that, because you're already a Flogging Molly fan, you're going to pick up this album and you're going to enjoy it. But it's probably not going to be the one that converts anybody new. And that's okay. Flogging Molly's been around forever at this point by punk rock standards. And they're putting out music that people like me, who love them, still love. That's good news. I mean, look, I'll be honest with you, I liked the last one better, but I still like this one. It's still good, it still makes me happy, it's still good Irish music from Dave King that has a little bit of a punk edge, but could also get played on traditional Irish radio. If there's a station that plays traditional Irish radio where you are, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I enjoyed it as a Flogging Molly fan. If I weren't a Flogging Molly fan, I probably wouldn't enjoy it. That's just how it goes with a band like that. Anthem is a perfectly good, perfectly strong release from a band that has been doing really cool current Irish music for a couple of decades now, I think, or close to, anyway, and uh, I, I really appreciated it. I really liked it. I had fun, and that's all I can ask. That's all I can ask of that type of music is that it be fun, and it was fun. And I think you'll have fun, too, if you like Irish music, if you like anything Flogging Molly has done in the past. Pick it up. It's a good time. If you don't like Irish music, if you don't like what Flogging Molly has done in the past, not going to be for you. That's how it is. But it was for me, and I think it's probably for some of you, too. Flogging Molly Anthem. Really liked it. In that vein, there is also a new one by Dropkick Murphys. Funny how those two bands often seem to have albums come out at the same time. Uh, Dropkick Murphys has a, a new album called This Machine Still Kills Fascists, which is a reference to the guitar that uh, uh, Woody Guthrie used to used to play. Woody Guthrie had uh, written on his guitar, This Machine Kills Fascists. Dropkick Murphys wrote on a guitar, This Machine Still Kills Fascists, because this album is very interesting. It's an acoustic album, entirely acoustic, with lyrics by Woody Guthrie, unused lyrics that Woody had never used before. The Dropkick Murphys picked up some of his unused lyrics, and they wrote an album from that, 
basically. And it's, this machine still kills fascists. And uh, that's interesting just anyway, but it's made more interesting by the fact that perennial Dropkick Murphys singer Al Barr is not featured on the album. Al Barr is taking care of a family issue. He's not currently working with the band. We all hope that he'll be back soon. But he's not on this album, so that's kind of unique, too. It's the first one he hasn't been on since the first Dropkick Murphys album. That's kind of weird. It's also DKM's first real uh, acoustic outing. And by the way, uh, Dropkick Murphy's not new to doing Woody Guthrie material. They've, uh, they've done that before. They've taken lyrics that uh, Woody Guthrie wrote and, d- and gave them their own music before in the past. The time that they did that before, a little song called Stepping Up to Boston from, you know, from the Departed movie. Uh, the song of theirs that everybody bought and had and knows, uh, that was the last time they did, uh, they did this. They took Woody Guthrie lyrics and, and wrote their own songs to him. Uh, so that was an exciting premise, you know? And I picked it up, and it's a, a really cool, really interesting listen. Like, the lyrics feel just as vibrant and alive as if they were written today, because that's what Woody Guthrie did. And, and, you know, that's, that's just how his stuff works. But also, it's, it's, it's a really interesting, really different side of this band that I'm really enjoying. I'm really enjoying hearing them do acoustic stuff. And, uh, you know, I, look, I miss Al Barr, but I don't think that the band is suffering from his absence on this particular release. In the future, if he doesn't return to the band, they're going to suffer from his absence. But on this specific release, in this very specific format... Ken Casey does a great job by himself, you know, on lead vocals. And it's it, 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 just a really strong release and a really interesting release deep into the career of a band that shouldn't be doing interesting releases anymore. They put out something genuinely interesting, genuinely fun, and genuinely relevant. So DKM's new one, This Machine Still Kills Fascists, I absolutely love it. And unlike the Flogging Molly record... I think if you haven't loved anything else DKM has done, this one's pretty accessible. It might be your jump-on point. It's got that Irish vibe about it, it's got that protest song vibe about it, but it's a little bit different from what they've been doing before. So it might, it might appeal to you if you haven't been into their stuff before. It might be a good jump-on point for you. It's really cool. Check it out. This Machine Still Kills Fascists by Dropkick Murphys. One of one of my favorite things I've listened to lately. Another of my favorite things that I've listened to lately is the new album by the Pixies, or possibly the Fixies, based on the font that they used for the cover. I don't understand the judgment call there. Uh, Doggerel, I think. Doggerel? I don't know. D-O-G-G-E-R-E-L. It's one of those words that you have to look up. It, it has nothing to do with dogs. Uh, I don't remember what it does have anything to do with. I, I did look it up, uh, but I, I didn't retain it. Um, don't do that. <laughs> if you have to name an album anything, don't make it something that people have to Google and learn. That's not gonna, it's not gonna go well for you. But I like the album. <laughs> uh, here, I pulled it up. Doggerel. Doggerel, I think, yeah. Uh, comic verse composed in irregular rhythm. Okay, so verses, verse or words that are badly written or expressed. That's pretty funny. Uh, so yeah, Pixie's doing a self-own on that one, I guess. Um, which, uh, yeah, it's a failure of a font and a failure of a title, but the music on the album, great. It sounds like the Pixies. Let me say that again. It sounds like the Pixies, which some of their more recent stuff... Kind of hasn't sounded like a Frank Black solo album on the last one. But uh, this one sounds like the damn Pixies. It sounds like the damn Pixies. And that makes me so happy. I love the Pixies. And here they are, sounding like them. Kim Deal's not in the band, but that's fine. Paz, Paz, how you pronounce it? She's been in the band for quite some time now and has been doing great and kicking ass. And this one sounds like them. Sounds like the Pixies. Sounds like the Pixies. Buy it. Buy the new Pixies album. Buy it. That's all. 
Let's move on. There's a new one by Demi Lovato, too, called Holy Fuck, or Holy Fvk, because uh, it's spelled F-V-C-K, I guess because she wanted to, I don't know, get the album title listed places, but we all know it's called Holy Fuck. Uh, new one by Demi Lovato. Uh, I sang the praises of her last one, the one that had way too long of a title. This one has a very concise title. Uh, I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. Uh, she sure says the word fuck a lot on it. Way more than I've said it so far in this episode, even in this segment where I'm talking about it. Uh, foul-mouthed. I, I, I would not be surprised if when you count it up, if we hit the triple digits for use of the F word on this album. But I still liked it, and I, I liked the songs. I like how personal it is. Uh, it's a song, or it's a, it's a song. It's an album that seems to be largely her talking about her crazy days and trying to put them behind her and trying to put them to rest. But you also get a sense that... How do I say this? I don't want to say this offensively. I don't want this to be an offensive thing to say. I don't want this to be a judgmental thing to say. I don't want this to be a... a, 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 a I, I don't want, want there to be any foreboding in this. But I think that this is reflected in the lyrics. It seems a little bit like she's almost saying in the lyrics, Yeah, I'm doing okay now until I hit my next relapse. You know, that almost seems to be what she's saying. Which is a sad thing to hear her say. I really hope that doesn't happen for her, but that seems to be a little bit of what's going on on this album. It's a very dark listen in that way. It's her really exploring the depths of her inner demons in a way that is catchy but unnerving and does leave you kind of walking away saying, holy fuck, what did I just hear? You know? But at the same time, it's kind of a, a catchy, fun pop album, you know. <laughs> so it's it's kind of a kind of a weird thing. But uh, I like Demi Lovato. I fell in love with her on her last album. I actually fell in love with her at, uh, during uh, a Grammy performance, and uh, just sort of dove in. And uh, the new one, Holy Fvk, uh, is uh, is a good listen. That if you are the type of person who listens beyond the hook of the song and actually absorbs lyrics, it's a little bit unsettling. And I think maybe that's what she was going for. It's a good one. Pick it up. Pick it up. It's a really interesting listen, especially if you have any interest in the psyche of an addict. It's maybe a great example of that and a great sort of look into that. And uh, I deeply appreciated it on that level. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm no prude. You guys know that I, I love a good swear word. I like to say swear words. Uh, I was a little bit alarmed by how many uh, F-bombs are on this album. I don't know why I switched to F-bombs. I've said fuck several times in this episode so far. I, I was amazed at, I was a little bit surprised and a little bit taken aback at how many times she said fuck on the album. Much like some of you are surprised by how many times I've said it in this segment. Uh, it seems only fitting when you're talking about this album. Uh, she could clean it up a little bit and have more songs on the radio, probably, but also that's not necessarily a, a detriment uh, to her audience. We're going to buy it anyway, uh, and I would rather someone be honest. But honestly, like, profanity in art is one of those things that if you use it sparingly, it can be really effective. If you use it too much, then it's just words, and it's kind of empty, and it feels like you're cheating. It feels like uh, filler words. It feels like a crutch. And I feel like that's... We're really leaning into that crutch hard on this album. I feel like she used the F word a lot because she needed to fill space more than she was trying to be effective. You know? That's my one criticism of it, but at the same time... The songs are so strong, and the personal introspection on it is so relevant and so deep that I, I, don't, I don't feel like that's a huge knock against the album, but I do feel like you get desensitized to it by about track three or four. You just kind of go, oh, it's going to be one of those albums where she says, you know, she swears every other word. All right, fine, I guess. Like, that that's just always going to sound lazy to me. That's always going to come across as lazy. Even when the album is as good as this is, that's going to knock it down a couple of points for me. It's going to turn a, a, an A album into a B-, minus, you know, because, I, okay, 
really good what you did there. How much better would it be if you didn't have to lean on the crutch? You know? That's, that's kind of, that's, that's a feeling that I walk away with from this album. But the main feeling that I walk away with from this album is, wow, what a brave person to put her life on display like that. What a gutsy move. What a startling move. And, uh, I, I really like it. That's the main feeling that I walked away with. But it's, you know, the pragmatic art critic <laughs> in me, if I can call myself that, which you'll notice that I chuckled after I did, does kind of think, well, uh, you could dial it back a little bit on the profanity and be more effective. You know, it's not, it's not a criticism of using profanity, it's a criticism of the effectiveness of it. I feel like, I feel like the effectiveness was somewhat lost because of the frequency. That's it. Other than that, again, in some ways an A album, B minus for me because of the profanity issue. But that's just me. Maybe it's an A plus for you. Maybe it's an F minus for you. I don't know. Maybe it's a, a, a in, an incomplete for you. I don't know. For me, it was about a B minus. But I still really, really liked it. And I still think it was a really, really brave album to release. And I'm proud of her for that. And I hope she's doing better than... She sometimes sounds in the lyrics. You know? Like, that's the other thing that knocks it down a little bit from being an A for me. Even w even if the profanity stayed in place, the thing that knocks it down a little bit for me is I didn't listen to it and just walk away thinking, wow, how brave that was. I walked away thinking, wow, how brave that was. I really hope she's gonna be okay. You know? That's, that's... I don't know if that's what you want people walking away from your... your fun pop album feeling concern for you, you know? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe it's me being a writer that, you know, I'm going, uh, how much of this is her just writing and how much of this is, you know, how much of this does she need to say to somebody who isn't her audience, you know? <laughs> um, cats are rustling in the background again. Uh, but, Wow. They're taking it down the stairs. I don't know how much of that you could hear, but I, that was fascinating to me. I, I've said too much. Uh, Demi Lovato, incredibly talented vocalist and uh, uh, incredibly talented writer. I like this album a lot. It left me with some concerns, but the talent is so, so there that the concerns don't make it an F, they make it a B-. minus. You know, that's all I'm saying. And last, but certainly, 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 certainly not least, we have another release that in many ways is a very brave release in a different way, in a slightly less profane way, although she says fuck a few times on it too. Uh, we have a new one from Taylor Swift. Tay Bay, Tizzle Swizzle. She has released another new album, a new one this year, uh, called Midnight's which I kind of didn't know was coming. I, I uh, pay enough attention to Taylor Swift that I hear when the new album's coming out, but I don't hear it as early as uh, most of the Swifties out there. It just sort of uh, falls into my uh, perception because I'm looking at what albums are coming out this year. You know, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not following her every move. But uh, I was a little bit surprised to, I knew she had one coming up, I didn't know she had one coming up this past week, and then it just was sort of here, and I went, oh, okay, good. And I found out all the stuff I was supposed to know about it at that point. Uh, Midnight's, her new album. Um, a little bit of a different listen for, for, uh, for Taylor, for, for the T-Swizz. The, the I don't know why I'm trying so hard to give her a nickname. <laughs> she doesn't need that. Uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, I, I really like her. Uh, I, I, those who have listened to this show for a while will know that I sort of fell in love with Taylor Swift on the Folklore album, so I'm a very recent convert. I've since gone back and listened to the stuff I'm supposed to listen to, and I'm collecting the Taylor's version uh, releases. Uh, but I was excited when I found out there, that Midnight's was coming out, and I... But I went into it not knowing a lot of the stuff that other Swifties... You know what? I'm, I'll do it. I'll call myself a Swiftie. Uh, I, I went into it not knowing some of the stuff that my fellow Swifties... That feels disingenuous. I went into it not knowing some of the stuff that the other Swifties uh, uh, knew about it. 
You know, like there's, she's one of those artists that her fans know more about the albums than she does, and they went in very prepared for what this album was. I went in knowing, uh, knowing, I went in knowing uh, that she had a new album coming out. That's as much as I knew. So I went in and I picked up Midnight's. Uh, I got the uh, what Blood Orange version, I guess. There are four different uh, album covers on it. And having heard it, I now want all four. But I got the kind of uh, reddish uh, one. I don't, I don't remember the different color choices. Sorry, I got the kind of reddish one. And uh, I went in. You know, I picked that one out for no real reason. And I went in not knowing anything about it. And I listened to it and went, "Wow, this is different. This is a much more personal look into Taylor Swift's life. This is a much more introspective look. This is a much." deeper and in some ways darker look. Um, I said several years ago, uh, I made a joke, I think on maybe Twitter or something like that, that was, uh, uh, you know, Taylor Swift keeps releasing albums after she goes through breakups. I wonder if her next album will maybe be called Maybe I'm the Problem. And uh, uh, that was a joke, and it was a kind of crass joke. You know, this was before I was a fan, but I... I Look, I've always respected Taylor Swift. I, I really have. Uh, like, I, I stuck up for her during the uh, uh, Kanye thing, and, you know, I, 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 I've always respected her, but I've just never been a fan. And, you know, I've noticed that she tends to release hit albums after she breaks up with somebody, and they're always like, we are never, ever getting back together, you know. Uh, very sort of empowering in that way. And I just sort of made the joke at one point, maybe her next single can be called Maybe I'm the Problem, you know, after so many failed uh, romances. Um, this one uh, literally has a song uh, with the lyrics, uh, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. Uh, those are words that she says in the song Antihero. And uh, hearing that... I had multiple reactions at once. Uh, on the one hand, I almost wanted to chuckle because I had made that joke before, uh, and I'm not saying that she owes me any money, but I am also uh, saying that I would accept it. Uh, but <laughs> I, uh, So I had that reaction. I had the reaction of, uh, ha-ha, that's like what I've been saying uh, in the past, or what I had been saying in the past that she should say. Uh, but the much more uh, prescient if that's the word that I want here, it's the word I'm using, the much bigger reaction was it kind of broke my heart to hear her say that, and I went, oh, she's going through some shit, and she's writing about it and sharing it with people who, frankly, probably need to hear it, because um, if, uh, if all you've uh, ever gravitated to and loved about Taylor's music is uh, we are never, ever getting back together, and uh, I knew you were trouble when you walked in, and uh, we've got bad blood. And if if that's the stuff that you've gravitated to from her, uh, a moment where she says, you know what, a lot of this is on me, that's an important song. That's an important lyric. That's an important step for her as a person. That's an important step for someone who's a fan of hers to go through as well and to sort of... That's an important song for for you to sing along with. Look, now that she's said it, I'm sorry I made that joke whenever I made it. Because she's, uh, she's going through some shit. You know? And that joke seems a lot less funny now. And it's out there somewhere on whatever version of my social media was on at the time, and I'll own that. I made a shitty joke about a person who needs to come out on the other side of something, you know? The album isn't all gloom and doom, there's plenty of fun to be had on it too, but the thing that jumped out at me about Midnight's was how personal it seems to be and how introspective it is and how moving it is in that way. I really deeply appreciated it. I've really deeply appreciated the last several Taylor releases, but... I don't know, this one's got a big place in my heart now, you know? From track three alone. It's got a special place in my heart. I know a lot of her other albums do for a lot of people. I don't know, this one kind of feels like it's mine. 
you know? It's it, it, it's a good album. It's an important album. On that level, it's a really moving album. And it's catchy, too. I've listened to it twice and I'm humming the songs. That doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen most of the time. I've listened to it twice and I'm humming the songs. Midnight's Taylor Swift's new one. Great album. Buy all four covers of it. I'm probably going to end up doing that over time. If you get all four of them, the uh, back cover forms a clock. And there's a download version that has extra songs on it. Probably have to do that too. I'm going to buy five fucking copies of this album. I, I think I have seven of the last one by The Who, though, so that's okay. As <laughs> long as The Who... As <laughs> long as The Who continues to outnumber Taylor in my collection, we're, we're, we're good. Um, <laughs> not for any reason other than loyalty and longevity, you know? That's, uh, there's, there's just personal loyalties there, more than anything else. But Midnight's. Great release by Taylor Swift. Great release in general. Check it out. You know what? I've uh, it took me a long time to become a full-on fan of hers. Again, I've defended her, you know, on and off for years, but it it took me a long time to become a full-on fan of hers. And uh, I, I'll tell you this: from what I've uh, experienced up to this point, any album of Taylor Swift's is a great jump-on point. And Midnight's is a great jump-on point. It's the one that I think is going to end up meaning the most to me over the years. Maybe it will to you too. It's a really good album. It says fuck on it a couple of times. And shit. There's a song called Vigilante Shit on it. It's been a very sweary episode of the podcast. Thanks to others. This isn't even my fault. But uh, that's, that's where we are. That's the music that I've picked up lately. That's what I've been listening to a lot lately. And uh, maybe you should listen to some of it too. That's, that's the uh, bullet point of this segment of the show. so far It's so hard to be yourself When you don't know who you are I'm afraid I've lost my way Alright, checkmates, I think that's about it. Uh, A little bit of a shorter one this time. That's neat. Because we've been going long lately. Uh, we're going to, Dave and I, are going to get together and do a Fab 15 here soon. I think it's going to be Fab 15 Who songs, because we just saw the Who. We'll get together and we'll do that. You'll probably get an episode between those, though. Between this and that one, I mean. Though. So, I don't know. Look forward to that, I guess. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, the cats are still just roughhousing all over the damn um, house, I guess. Uh, cute, though. They're very cute. They're being, you know, fun roughhousing. It's not getting too ugly. Uh, still playing with those yarn things I made them. Cats and yarn. It's a thing. It's a thing, man. Uh, if you want to wish the cats a happy first birthday on the 26th, I will read your emails to them if you send them to db at derekbrink.com. Um, they're the best boys. I, uh, today, I went out to the pet store and bought, uh, I, you, you might not know this, they eat kitten food up until the end of the first year, and then you transition them into just regular cat food, into adult cat food. And, uh, uh, yeah, so I went out today, and the best way to do that is to sort of start mixing their kitten food with the adult food and kind of doing, like, a 50-50 blend or, like... Maybe start a little bit more like 60-40 or whatever. Just start slowly easing in the adult food. And so I bought a bag of the adult food a couple of days ago and then realized, oh, I'm really low on kitten food. I'm going to need another bag of kitten food so I can make this happen. So I went out and I bought one of the smaller bags of kitten food and uh, realized when I bought it that, oh, this is the last bag of kitten food I'm going to buy. This is the last bag. This is the last kitten food. And... I didn't realize I was going to get emotional about that. <laughs> you know, like I just got like really sentimental and like, oh, they're they're not going to be kittens anymore in a couple of days. They're just, they're going to be cats. They're going to be full cats. They're going to be grown-ups. 
but they're still kind of kittens, you know? But, yeah, I got weirdly emotional buying cat food today. I don't know what's gonna happen when I hit the end of that bag, you know? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it, it, it's, I, I love these guys a lot. They've been here since March. It hasn't been that long, but it's, it is kind of one of those things where I'm going, wow, how fast time passes when you're having fun, you know? And, uh, they're, they're the best boys. If you want to send them birthday wishes, their birthday is October 26th, and I'm sure that they would be glad to accept those wishes. They're, uh, almost Halloween babies. They're getting, they're, they were almost born, they were born so close to Halloween, they're kind of Halloween babies, even though I, I got to know them in, uh, December was when I first got introduced to them, kind of, and they're, their mom, Kim. Hi, Kim, if you're a fan of the show. Kim, if you're a fan of the show, let me know. Uh, you can come on here and talk about cats. Uh, uh, Kim uh, gave them Christmassy names because they came to her in December. They were uh, originally Hermie and Bumble after the uh, couple of the characters on the uh, Island of Misfit toys and the old Rudolph thing. Uh, I renamed them after personal uh, f family friends who were basically my uncles. And, uh, uh, that's, that's the short version of that story. I'll put, like, the long version on my blog over at WordPress, derekbrink.wordpress.com, if you're interested in that. I'll put the long version on there, maybe, for their birthday, but, uh, they're, they're just the best boys, and their first birthday's coming up, and I'm excited about it, and a little bit sentimental, and everything, and they're just the best boys, playing with their yarn, chasing each other around. There they go now, you can maybe hear that in the background. Um... Best boys. Uh, hey, thanks so much for listening to the show, for putting up with me, talking about my cats, for taking an interest in my musical opinions and all that. Uh, yeah, just thank you. Thank you for being a checkmate. I really appreciate it. As always, folks, please remember that COVID-19 is still out there. I got lucky getting sick this past week. It wasn't COVID, but so many people that I know are still getting COVID, and it's there's talk of new variants all the time and all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, hey, if you haven't listened to me so far, you're not likely to. But do listen to me when I tell you that black lives matter, that LGBTQIA plus rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights, and that I shouldn't have to tell you any of that. And checkmates, be good to each other, be good to yourselves. Forgive each other and forgive yourselves. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. But seriously, Taylor, if you want to give me money for the song idea, db at DerekBrink.com. Let's let's talk. 